listening to Impact Sports Daily, WDBN's daily rundown of all things sports. Welcome back to Impact Sports Daily. Today is Friday, October 22nd. My name is Manit Patel. Here with me is Jacob Phillips. Today we're going to talk about Thursday Night Football, recap the Browns' 17-14 victory, we're going to talk about some NBA. Golden State had a pretty good win last night. And the Bucks versus Heat game, which was... A disappointment, it, to say the least. Yeah, to say the least. Um, ben Simmons on the 76ers. There's a little bit more drama that just got released this morning, which we will discuss. And to cap it off, we'll talk about Dodgers, Braves, Game 5. Yeah, well, I mean, what a game... Uh, I don't want to give too much away. We'll get to that later. But, I mean, that was one of the first baseball games I've watched front to back in a long time, and I was just glued to the screen for every second of it. So Now we have a day off in that series before they head back to Atlanta, where Atlanta has a chance to clinch. But we will also talk about tonight, Astros have a chance to send themselves to the World Series at home in yeah, Game 6 of the ALCS. So that'll be... It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get into that. Uh, it, it's certainly an interesting set of games for the next couple of days with the potential of setting up this World Series. I agree. Um, but to start things off, last night, Thursday Night Football, Cleveland Browns played the Denver Broncos at home, missing quite a bit of offense. Essentially starting an entire second string offense. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, their receivers were still there, but... They were able to walk away with the win. I I was really surprised. Uh, yesterday, if you asked me, I clearly was gonna. I took. I would have taken the Broncos on that one. I mean, you had Odell out. You have Baker Mayfield, who has I think it's two combined shoulder injuries. Uh, he tore a muscle, and then he's also got a separate shoulder injury, a fracture. Uh, and then you have both first and second running backs, uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt out, and they still managed to walk away with that win, and that is nothing short of impressive. I agree, and against a pretty talented Denver Broncos defense, they pretty much had their way with them the first drive. While it didn't carry throughout the game, to start things off with such a dominating drive always sets a good tone for your game. Yeah, and I think... Case Keenum really went out there and took full advantage of this opportunity. Everyone thought, oh, Case Keenum's going in. The Browns have no chance. And I think he took that and decided, I'm going to make this kind of my uh, debut game to show everyone I'm not just some, you know, poor backup that you'll see. Like, I can, I can do this. And I think you really saw that with uh, that one drive in particular with him dodging, I think it might have been two tackles at that point, shrugging them off. Of course, he fumbled it, but eventually, you know, getting that touchdown, he just did not stop fighting throughout that game. And I think that's really impressive for a backup that no one expected anything from. Yeah, I mean, Case Keenum, one of the more known backups going into that game, um, he looked pretty good. He was impressive. 21 for 33, was serviceable, did what he needed to do to get the Browns the win. 
He got big help from his running backs. Dearness Johnson, the Browns' third string running back, looked like looked better than most teams' first string running backs do yeah, on well, any given Sunday. This was his first NFL start in his career, if I'm not mistaken. And he was the most impressive player out on that field just because you have two star running backs go down and you have Dearness Johnson, who's never started for the Browns before, and he manages to go away from that game with just impressive numbers that any star running back that starts for an NFL team would be proud to have. And I think he deserve some rotations at this point you know maybe they start swapping out Kareem Hunter Nick Chubb every now and again you know if they're up by three points they start swapping him in getting him some rotations in yeah I mean it'll be interesting to see what they do carrying forward with three such talented running backs I think Johnson gets traded honestly before the trade deadline knowing how much depth they have Demetric Fountain's a good fourth string running back too like if anything, Dearness Johnson's trade value just went through the roof. Yeah, so Cleveland's got a little situation on their hands there. I wouldn't say it's a bad thing to have, but it's a good thing, good predicament. They have they're they're playing with house money at this point. Yeah, they have not one, not two, but three capable running backs, and they can afford to mess around with their roster a little bit. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do, especially with the roster that's been so jumbled throughout the year. Very short of expectations, I'd say, honestly. Um, but we'll see what they do moving forward. Next week, the Steelers have the... Or the Browns have the Steelers at home. And the Broncos play Washington at home. So, chance for both teams to rebound there. Or to for the Browns to build off their win and for Denver to rebound. We'll see what they do. Um, but moving on. Last night in the NBA, Golden State had a pretty good win um, over the it was over, over the, the Clippers, Clippers. Over the Clippers, that's right. Um, they had a pretty good win. Steph Curry looked phenomenal. 25 in the first quarter on 9 of 9 shooting. And the Heat just dominated Milwaukee. God, I'm looking at that Golden State game. I mean, you talk about Steph Curry putting up 45 of those 115 points. Nearly half of the points scored in that game came from Steph Curry. Uh, you know, I it, it's no surprise that Steph Curry is one of, if not the best uh, on that team or potentially even in the NBA, especially at three-point shooting. He's been that way for a long time, and it, he just continues to impress. Uh, and that's not to say that the Clippers did poorly either. I mean, you have a final score of 115 to 113. Clearly a, a very close game, but, I mean, Golden State's got that, you know, that uh, that trump card that they always pull. You got Steph Curry, and, you know, I'd put my money on him in a pinch like that. I agree, um, and I think Golden State is one of the more underrated teams in the league. I said it before, I'll say it again. That team is deep right now. They'll only get deeper when Klay Thompson comes back. You can afford to bench one of your starters right now, who's any of whom is a quality starter in the NBA. Like, who are they going to push to the bench? Come on, Looney. Oh, wait, you have James Wiseman, who's injured. He's ready to come back, too. When he's back, the Warriors can throw out a lineup of Curry, Poole, Thompson, Draymond, and Wiseman. 
Yeah, I, I think the Warriors are an absolute. And with Wiggins this coming year. off the bench, they're so underrated, and they will be a good team. They they're will be an a team absolute threat to not. I'll mess be excited with. to to follow them a little bit close more closely this season as we start getting into things. I agree. Um, more on the Miami Milwaukee game. You're a Bucks fan. How? What? What? I want to hear what you have to say first. Yeah. So I'm more of a, a new Bucks fan. So uh, you know, starting at the beginning of last year, but I was really excited for this year. Uh, as always, you know, I want the Bucks to go back to the championship. You know, first time since the '70s that the Bucks have actually won the NBA championship. So. Felt really good to watch that, but you know, coming off of that Miami Heat game is just incredibly disappointing. I mean, Giannis, the the face of Milwaukee, only put up 15 points, and you the team lost by, I think, a little over 40 points in that game. 42. Yeah, and it's just coming off of a, a clear victory over the Nets in Week One. I was really excited, and then to lose in such a big way to the Heat was just shocking. It, I'm in utter disbelief. Uh, you know, and, and I, I think it really reflects positively on the Heat. They came out of the gate really ready and willing to win that game. I think that showed all throughout. And, you know, I think if you're the Bucks, you kind of got to step back, reevaluate, and you know, kick it, kick things into overdrive and really start thinking, you know, we need to work at this. This isn't something that's a guarantee. Yeah, I agree. Um, It might be a little bit of a rude awakening for Milwaukee. We'll see how it affects them because it is so early in the season. Um, But they did shoot extremely poorly and, you know, couldn't really hold on to the ball either. Committed 26 fouls, 15 turnovers. Um... Miami looked very balanced. I know they were leaning on their bench for most of the game because it was a blowout, but that bench still sustained the lead. It's not like they ever felt the need to bring the starters back in, which was impressive. Um, Yeah, I think throughout that entire game, you really saw a clear gap in the Heat's mindset versus the Bucks. I think the Heat were just... And that's what makes Miami so dangerous. When they made their playoff run two years ago, it was their mindset that set them apart from other teams. With Jimmy Butler at the helm, something just changes for them, and it's impressive to see. I think Miami's another team with upside this year. With Tyler Hero off the bench, you have an instant 20-point score, which is something not a lot of NBA teams can count on. Yeah, I mean, it's just throughout that entire game, they put their foot on the gas, and they did not let up. And I think that really is reflected in that final score. And... You know, it'll be really interesting to watch Miami continue through this season. Again, it's still really early. Things could change. But, you know, I agree that this is potentially one of the more underrated teams that poses a legitimate threat in the NBA right now. I agree. Um, Moving on from that, we have some new news this morning regarding Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has been been in the news a lot this week. Matt and I discussed him on Wednesday. Um, today the news is that he went to practice. Um, he met with Sixers medical professionals and coach Doc Rivers today, spoke with Joel Embiid and the entire 76ers team, accepted that everyone needs to take responsibility, including himself, but he informed them that he is not mentally ready to play yet and needs time. 
yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, and I completely understand, you know, mental health and everything being a reason that athletes need to take a step back from sports. I think it's something that has been severely uh, overlooked in the past, and I think it's something that is really important to address. But in terms of Ben Simmons, I think he's really just demonstrated that he does not want to play for the 76ers anymore, and this is potentially just another way for him to, you know, avoid, uh, you know, having to play for them. I agree. I think it's interesting to see, honestly. It's certainly um, not the update that we were expecting. No. I thought, I mean, Daryl Morey seems pretty pretty staunch in his stance that Ben Simmons will remain a 76er until he receives an offer worth his time. Yeah, well, what he, was the phrase he used? I think it was, he wants a difference maker. He wants a different ma- difference maker. Another word that's been used is championship caliber player. It's what the 76ers need and not what Ben Simmons is right now. Unfortunately, as much as he could be, it's not what he is currently. Yeah. And it's really interesting because, you know, I don't think anyone is going to argue that the 76ers should keep Ben Simmons indefinitely. I think the real argument here is, you know, for who do you trade Ben Simmons for? Do you just get a couple of draft picks or do you actually try and hold out for that difference maker and potentially, potentially, you know, have a a void in your your lineup or your bench spot, you know, where you've got a player that's just not going to play, but you can't fill it because no one of trade value that you want is being offered to you. I agree. So it'll be interesting to see what Dale Morey, 76ers front office, Alan Brand decide to do. Ben Simmons is a player... We discuss on Impact's NBA podcast, Courtside Convo, a lot. And um, we talk about how he has so much upside. He has so much potential, but that is also the most harmful word in the NBA. Because it is also very overused. And it can damage a player's career when the expectation is set through the roof. And you know what? Ben Simmons also should have adjusted himself. He's had time to. He All he has to do is develop a jump shot. And he would be one of the 15 best players in the NBA. Yeah, he's he's clearly got stuff that he needs to work on. And I think that's one of the things that's probably hurting the 76ers right now. Not in terms of him actually playing for them, but it's limiting his trade value. I think other teams are looking at him thinking... Yeah, he's got this potential, but he hasn't been able to he live up to this. He hasn't been able to live up to it. Why would things change just because he's on a new team? And, and that's, I think, the biggest reason why you haven't seen the 76ers get an offer yet is just because he seems you know, like so said, stuck in his ways. Yeah, it's it's dangerous when you say, oh, this player has potential. But if I'm a team looking at him, I'm thinking, well, what can I get out of him now? You know, I don't want to pick up a player and then have to, you know, take years to develop him, you know, for a fraction of a chance that he reaches the potential you talked about. I want a player I can get that can help my team now. Exactly. So it, it'll be interesting, really interesting to see what how they advance from here. Yeah, and I, I would keep a close eye on this story over the next week or two to see, you know, 
like just how this news broke this morning with him meeting with the team's trainer and everything, you know, clearly this story can go in any direction at any time. So Yeah. It's been very twisty turny up until now. Um moving on. Baseball. Braves Dodgers last night, game five. I did not think the Dodgers had it in them, and I was clearly wrong. They won eleven to two at home, which they needed to do. It you and, know, Max Scherzer, their starting pitcher, was out. I think it was a, a light hamstring injury. Uh, as far as I know, I think they're projecting him to start for them again when they go to Atlanta. But, uh, you know, they started with Joe Kelly, I think it was, in the first inning, and he was not doing well. But as they continued to go and rotate pitchers in and out throughout the game, I think it really uh, it, it really made it hard for Atlanta to figure out what they were going to go up against when they went up to the plate. I agree. Um Dodger Stadium looked a little bit empty last night. It was kind of unfortunate to see it not at full capacity like it should have been. 51,000 people still there, but it's kind of disappointing that they didn't fill out their stadium in a must-win game. Elimination game. I feel bad for all the fans that decided not to go and missed out on all those home runs. I mean, you had Chris Taylor, who is the first player in postseason history to hit three home runs in an elimination game. And not only that, I think uh, two of them were, you know, like uh, I think one of them was a two-run home run, run, the other was a three-run home run. You know, so it wasn't just a, of course, he had a solo home run to end it out, but, you know, he's, he came to play. Out of all those players, he just, he was ready and locked in and focused when he came up to the plate. It was really impressive to watch. Yeah, Chris Taylor and A.J. Pollock combined. They had se- they hit seven for ten with six runs and ten RBIs between them. It, it, they were they made for a really impressive duo to watch, and I'm not particularly a Dodgers fan. I'm not a Braves fan, uh, but watching that game was just so incredibly fun to just see over and over again. You know, just going out across the outfield, over the fence, into the stands you know, multiple times an inning. It was just one of those games that you really just were not expecting but were happy to watch. Yeah, I agree. The Dodgers really needed it going into tomorrow where they have to win again at Atlanta to force a Game 7. Yeah, and, and after watching this Game 5, or uh, you know, it was... Uh, I, I kind of have to step back and reevaluate. I think the Dodgers have the potential... If they can maintain that focus and really lean on, you know, their offense to keep racking up runs while they're, you know, Atlanta clearly was not able to get a feel for the various different Dodgers pitchers that rotated in and out. But with Max Scherzer going to start in Atlanta, they might have that opportunity to kind of get a beat for what pitches he's going to throw. So I think it's really important that the Dodgers keep a strong offense going to this game. I agree. Um, it'll be big for them because, like Boston, they both have to win two games on the road in order to advance to the World Series. Yeah, and I th- one of the, the interesting things is, you know, th- it's been done before. 
It has. And, they and did the Dodgers it last have year. done before. They did it. The Dodgers were in the exact same situation last year where they lost pretty big in game four, went down three to one against the Braves, and ended up pulling it off in the end. Ended up coming back. And, you know, I think it's important to keep that in mind. But I also would. Wouldn't it's, count it's Atlanta a, it's out. It's 100% a lingering thought in the back of Braves players' minds. I will say one of the things that looked uh, that did not help Atlanta was uh, their their starting pitcher uh, was Max Freed ended up uh, hitting one of the Dodgers players at bat, uh, lost a little bit of focus. I, I forgot who he he hit in the shoulder. Trey but Turner. I, it was yeah. Trey Turner. Yep, it, I watched that at bat. He and it was or no, Trey Turner was on base. I believe he hit Corey Seager. Yeah, it it was clear at that moment. You could tell that Max Fried just kind of slipped mentally, and you know, shortly after they took him out, and I think that was not helping Atlanta in the slightest. You know, baseball is such a a mental game that when you have a pitcher make a mistake like that and really slip up he's he's off his game and it really was clear to that Atlanta did not benefit from that in the slightest so yeah Corey Seager so Trey Turner was at bat I was right originally Trey Turner was the one hit by the pitch Cody Bellinger was on first he was running he was was running to to second second. yes he was he had taken off to seal second and Max Fried was already in his pitching motion. And turns Freed, his head to look Freed at Bellinger. Noticed, yes, Free noticed mid-pitch that Bellinger had gone, yet still went through with the pitch and lost absolute control and hit Turner. And from there, it was just a rout. And, um, you, and you could see in his face... It was face, pretty game-changing. The momentum Atlanta had after that moment just fell off. I mean, yeah. they came out in the first inning... And Freddie Freeman hitting a two-run home run, and then that was it. Their their momentum just hit a brick wall, and the Dodgers took full advantage of that. I agree, and it was also a very gutsy move by Dave Roberts to go bullpen game in a must-win at home. Very interesting. I know he could have he Max Scherzer was ruled out with the hamstring injury, but. He could have gone to another starter. Interesting that he had decided to go bullpen. I yeah. respect the decision. It ended up working, so in hindsight, you can't really question it. And I was really uh, confused when they pulled out. I think it was Evan Phillips who came in after Joe Kelly, and he was doing a good job. Uh, and, of course, every, every pitcher after that seemed to hit a good rhythm as well. Um, I just remember Joe Kelly going up to the plate, and he ended up leaving – Partway through the first inning because of a what was later determined to be a bicep injury, so yeah, I think the the bullpen decision was an interesting one, and I think it you know clearly worked to the Dodgers' advantage in this case. I agree. Moving on, we have another must-win game for another team: Boston Red Sox at Minute Maid Park tonight at eight o'clock. They need to win in order to stay in the series. Otherwise, Houston's going to the World Series. Boston throwing out Nasty Nate tonight. Houston pitching Luis Garcia. Going to be interesting to see. Nasty Nate, last time he pitched, got touched up 
had the controversial curveball that wasn't a strike, that could have been a strike that we discussed on Wednesday as well. Um, what do you think happens here? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the Red Sox. I don't like the Astros either. But I think the Astros, with home field advantage, could take this, you know, it's not going to be a blowout game. And if it is, that'll be a, a really sad end to the Red Sox season. Uh, but if I were to make a call right now, I would say the Astros will pull it off, you know, by a run or two. Uh, with that being said, I was completely wrong about how the Dodgers game was going to go. So it's really anyone's game. Um. Yeah, I agree. One of the biggest things, if you don't watch baseball, or if you just started watching baseball, name to watch tonight, Jordan Alvarez. This kid is one of the best pure hitters in baseball when he's healthy. His rookie year in 87 games, he hit 27 home runs, 78 RBIs, three, 313. As a rookie, call up, midseason. This postseason, he has two home runs, eight RBI. He's hitting 367. He is the soul of this lineup. He's going to be their cornerstone going forward because Correa is going to be gone. And it's going to be interesting to see. I think he's going to be the defining factor in this series tonight. I think he hits a couple RBIs in. Wins the game for them because he has just been that impressive this series alone. Yeah, and if there's anything that I took away from watching the Dodgers game last night is it really came down to, you know, one. You just need one guy to go off. Yeah, one guy finds that rhythm and is able to lock in on what the pitcher is thinking and it's game over. Yep. So I think Houston has the potential to take their series and and go to the World Series after this game. Yeah, he started Wednesday's Astros win, 9-1 Astros win, with a home run in the second inning, and then doubled to left in the sixth, and that's when things really broke open for Houston. He started things off with the first three RBI, and then from there, Sox pulled Chris Sale, and it was really just over. Yeah, if you can, if if you got that one hitter that can get in the head of the of whatever starting pitcher you're going against you've got the game and Chris Sale is a beast not short selling him at all he is one of the most talented pitchers in that MLB but the fact that they were able to touch him up really set the Red Sox back yeah I think Houston has consistently set the tone for this series that they've just been able to constantly pull ahead I, agree. I think we'll see that again tonight I agree um so that'll do it for today's episode of Impact Sports Daily for Manit Patel and Jacob Phillips. Thank you for listening and have a great day. You've been listening to Impact Sports Daily. Our thanks to Impact's General Manager Jeremy Whiting, Station Manager Amber Kinetsky, and Programming Director McKenna Lowndes. For more, visit impact89fm.org sports.